and welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? Your source for Karate Kid and Cobra Kai recaps, analysis, and news from time to time. And items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. I'm Colin Canaday. I am Jenny Carlson. And we are your hosts for this podcast recap extravaganza about the YouTube premium series Cobra Kai and the entire Karate Kid universe, including all the films which we promise we will get to eventually. All of them? I don't see any reason not to. We're going to have, at the rate we're going, we're going to have a couple months in between the season finale and the new season that we're going to need to fill with some movies, I think. Even we cannot draw out the existing number of episodes over more than half a year. The summer. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's summer. It it works because it's summer in the Karate Kid it's summer, World, in, the, right it's summer in the Miyagi-verse. It's summer in the Miyagi-verse, therefore it's, it's summer here. cruel summer. Hashtag cruel summer. And the, ooh, why didn't they use that as a marketing I ploy? don't know. Well, we can. That's true. We can now. Because I wrote in my notes we should plug our Twitter more. Okay, that's true. Well, then you do that now. Definitely follow us on Twitter at... Well, our Twitter handle is Karate Kid Pod. The t- handle is Karate Kid Pod. It's spelled exactly as it sounds. Follow us on Twitter at Karate Kid Pod and use hashtag Cruel Summer to let us know you listen to this episode. Yes, occasionally we banter with people. Uh, yes, and we will post those items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse that we're always going on about. We will. We took a little bit of a slowdown time over the summer to readjust to living in the same place and getting stuff done. But during the regular year, we tweet quite a bit. That's true. I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of news until Dragon Con happened and um, the new season started filming. That's true. Uh, now we're starting to get some more stuff. Apparently things got a little wild at Dragon Con. Yeah, things got wild at Dragon Con. And this is a fun fact. So there is video posted to Instagram of the actorly big three, Ralph, Billy, and Martin Cove, dancing and singing on stage during an event and it's very wild and i must admit i have not yet heard it with sound Mm -hmm. because i have only seen it in places where i couldn't play the sound and now i just want to make videos dropping in different songs imagining what they're singing that would be amazing yes that's true a couple months ago i figured out that if cobra kai is on youtube we should probably also be on YouTube, just as, if nothing else, than to just uh, kind of make it easier for people to jump from the episodes to our recaps. Mm-hmm. And that YouTube channel is going very well. It should just be the Are You Karate Kidding Me? The podcast channel. Mm-hmm. Um, if you search it, then it should come up in the first page or so. We've got all our current episodes in a YouTube-friendly format, so you could play them in the background of your favorite activity. But we've also got some YouTube-specific content. We've got a fun surprise there if you go to the YouTube channel. If you haven't seen us tweet about it or seen it pop up in your feed, definitely subscribe to us on YouTube. And anytime we post anything YouTube-centric, you will automatically be notified. Anything else to add? Well, the other thing I wanted to mention, I feel like what we should really be doing over the next couple months is we know they're shooting now, right? They are shooting now. So we have a window of opportunity to To move to Atlanta ourselves and become PAs on set. I'm glad we talked about this. Yes. Well, we could do that or we could become extras so that we would actually be on camera. That would also work. Well, I mean, whatever it takes. Or we could just join Miyagi-Do and Cobra Kai. That's true. We could do that. Well, my thought was we could get a shout-out on the show. We know that 
the big three listen to the show, or and I hope they're listening now. Uh, we know that some of the actors listen to the show. So my thought was, <laughs> why don't why don't we get a cheeky shout out to the show in Cobra Kai to our show to our show? You want Cobra Kai to shout out to Are You Karate Kidding Me? I have a very subtle way to do it. Okay, are you listening, John, Josh, and Hayden? Yes. So what they should do is if they want to <laughs> shout out to us, and this is you know no problem if it's if it if it doesn't work, but I feel like there's a phrase that we use a lot on our show. Bonsai tree. Bonsai tree. That's a good one. Except they say that all the time, so they've already shouted us out a, a oh, do- couple of dozen times Fair. already. Okay. But if you really want to get a specific reference to our show. You would mention the LaRusso Mance, because that's what we always say when we're cutting over to the LaRusso Mance, their house. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, well, that's kind of dumb because who outside of us would say that? And then I realized, I realized. Who would say it? I would think. um, I can think of like five characters who would say that. Dimitri would say it. Dimitri would say it. Amanda might say it. I mean, if Ralph could say it, that would be the best. Okay. Yeah, but... You know, but if, I mean, if Robbie said it, he would say it sarcastically, like... No, but Robbie would never be sarcastic about Daniel's house. Yeah. He's too precious about Daniel. Well, again, I feel like if anyone would say such an awkward phrase, it would be Dimitri. Yes. Because he's an awkward fellow. Fair. So... That is fair. So, again, if anyone... If Gianni DeTinto... Gianni, if you're listening, you can slip it in as an improv... John, Josh, Hayden, if you're writing, you can just kind of like, if Dimitri happens to bring up going over to the LaRusso house, just slide in a LaRusso manse there. Just say manse. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Like that. Like that. Exactly. All right. Anyway. Anyway, that I think that's all the housekeeping that I had for this episode. Okay. Wacky and non-wacky. Indeed. Wacky and non-wacky. So shall we get into the episode? Like a fine wine. Let us savor this episode. Diving all in to Cobra Kai season two, episode five. All in. All in. We open in a new set for us. This is Eli Moskowitz's kitchen. The boy who will be known as Hawk. The Moskowitz apartment, yes. Uh, we're flashing back apparently. Uh, we're flashing back to an infamous moment in season one, the the call that led to the school announcement. You're going to make an announcement? Don't have them make an announcement. Yes, the announcement against bullying when Counselor Blatt reveals to the whole school that Eli's mom called. Just please keep his name out of it. I don't want him to be embarrassed. Describing the form of hazing he's had so well that everyone can tell that it's about Eli. You realize what you've done? And... Miss Motzkowitz really thinks that calling the school will make a difference. The school needed to know that this behavior should not be tolerated. Which Eli does not believe. Don't you get it? They're never going to stop making fun of me. I mean, she's not wrong. It does make a difference. It's just not the difference that Eli was looking for. Miss mm-hmm. um, Motzkowitz seems to have a genuine issue recognizing that Eli has a problem here. That's not true. Wake up, Mom! She can't imagine that her son's anger and upsetness could be twisted to something evil 
But anyway, that comes later. Right now, he's just distraught, slamming mm-hmm. doors and running into his room that looks actually a little bit like Sam's room. So I can tell they're getting a lot of mileage out of this set. But it is an opportunity for Jacob Bertrand to do some capital A acting here. Yes, he is very good at this. And it's also an opportunity, as he sprawls on his bed crying, for them to segue to the present day in the show where Hawk, Cobra Kai Eli, is laying on a tattoo parlor couch thing, getting some new ink done by his boy Rico, as we know him. Uh, yeah, new ink, a little fill-in work on the, uh, on the back tattoo. Yeah, it looks like he's specifically gotten a new moon on his chest in honor of his current squeeze, uh, Moon. Who's picking him up? Hannah Keppel is there, and she's like, is that for me? They look very affectionate. Yeah, their hawk is accompanied by two dudes who's got following him around from the new recruits. This is Chris, right? Mitch, played by Aiden Minx, and Chris, played by Khalil Everidge. Yeah, keep an eye on these two dudes. I think they'll probably be coming into play quite a bit in the upcoming episodes. Indeed. And he also has the two new initiates flanking him like pilot fish that he's had following him around as that he hazes them. Cut over to Miyagi-Do, where Dimitri is about to engage in some classic... Miyagi-Do exercise, a.k.a. painting the fence. Daniel is very into it and confident about it, but Dimitri's like, I get it. You're teaching me muscle memory. Develop unconscious karate techniques. Dimitri's got the whole bag figured out as it is. How about we just show me the moves? Oh, yeah. Dimitri's one of those guys who thinks he's got it all figured out, and he's going through the motions of doing karate of doing Miyagi-Do, but I think the only person less suited to karate here would probably be David Rose from Schitt's Creek. Ready to get started? Great. I have a couple cans of paint out front. The fence back here could use a fresh coat. What? Why? Why? In order to fully learn Miyagi-Do karate, you have to unlearn your misconceptions about what constitutes training. Okay, you know what? I don't care, so you can do whatever you'd like. This is a wonderful moment where Daniel is trying to show Dimitri how to do the synthesized Miyagi-Do defense and you hear the music begin to swell and you think we're going to get a good montage, but Dimitri just kind of hangs there limply. He can't paint, he can't sand, like he at least wants to let us know that he can't. Like he gets a splinter. Mm -hmm. Everything to Dimitri is a reason to stop and withdraw from the moment. Yeah, I mean, this is all done to the sound of Bill Conti's wonderful training montage music from the original Karate Kid. So the juxtaposition of the majestic training sequence and Dimitri being completely awful at it is pretty wonderful contradiction there. Meanwhile, over at Cobra Kai, we see Kreese and Johnny sparring with all the students watching. Okay, pay attention. And Johnny's having Kreese put him in a headlock, trying to show the students how to get out of this because if he digs in, he could get knocked out. If he goes to Kreese's ribs, he'll expose his own chest. He doesn't have a lot of options. No, you know, this is kind of stressful. Like, Kreese is getting settled in to being a co-sensei with Johnny here. They use it as a setup for kind of a object lesson. And the object lesson is... You damn the consequences and you power forward. That's the Cobra Kai way. Yeah, Johnny Uh, says you power forward and then presses on. But nobody wins by doing nothing. Right. You, you make your move. You go all in. 
by this, all in means keep going in the same direction and push so hard that hopefully they'll fall off you. And we see that Miguel is listening and taking this all in. Flash forward a little bit and Crease and Johnny are kicking back in Johnny's office. A uh, couple of banquets. And Crease decides to double down on the metaphor and recall the object lesson from earlier. And he tells Johnny that he's really worried that Robbie is taking his karate from another sensei and that johnny needs to go all in with robbie so you just teach these lessons you don't really take them to heart and get his son back from daniel's influence and johnny looks pensive at this point then they cut to moon hanging out in the cobra kai tgi fridays with tori and aisha and talking about the fact that yasmin's on vacation meanwhile miguel is sitting off by himself on a laptop and tori wants to bring him into the group by throwing little bits of fried food at him. What's he doing? He is doing something on his computer. He says it's going all in. So he's taken Johnny's message to to mean something for his relationship with Sam, that he needs to just keep trying to get Sam back. This is an interesting idea. We'll come back to it later because we now cut across the restaurant to Hawk and his two flunkies, the pilot fish that you mentioned earlier. And they have pointed out that Dimitri has made a very unhelpful Cobra Kai review on Yelp. Dimitri has written a review of the establishment, explaining all the ways in which it sucked, and Hawk is very mad. Back at Miyagi-Do, Robbie and Sam are practicing the wheel technique and clearly bonding, laughing. Meanwhile, Dimitri is watching them and commenting rather than doing his own exercises. Yeah, Daniel is trying to get Dimitri to do the defense move, show me sand the floor, but Dimitri has a note from his mom saying that he can't He has to take karate, but somehow he can't do any of the physical parts, which is a move he tried to pull on Cobra Kai and got him punched in the nose for his trouble. Yeah. Dimitri is being a little awkward, but he's doing his best to try and settle in. He's not picking up Miyagi-Do well, though. This leads Daniel to ask, Do you want to be here, Dimitri? Not really. Then why are you here? And Dimitri explains, Cobra Kai comes to town and... Next thing I know, my friends are taking karate and becoming alpha jerks. Daniel tries to explain that karate isn't the answer to everything. It's mostly about self-defense. Dimitri notes that his self is too weak. Yeah, like, that's the thing. Dimitri can't let go of the idea of his own weakness, but he's been forced to do this because he's literally being threatened by his best friend. Yeah, it's not a good situation. I mean, when you're a person who writes a lot of unhappy Yelp reviews, you're going to get some flack. Is Dimitri miserable because he writes all those bad Yelp reviews, or... Do all the bad Yelp reviews lead him to being miserable? It's really a chicken and the egg scenario. It is. And Cobra Kai will have the answer for us. Meanwhile, we see Johnny walking down a hallway holding a skateboard. It is a skateboard for Robbie, we presume. I don't know. He's knocking on a door with an eviction notice. And we know that this is the apartment that Robbie lived in with Shannon. He sees a woman across the street with a big shawl around her. That could also be a sorry. Letting herself out of her apartment. And he yells, Excuse me, Obelis English! After her. Which could be problematic if she's not Hispanic. Anyway, at this point, he's still trying to get through to Shannon, getting these voicemails that aren't answered. He does not know where Robbie is. Robbie is actually currently at the mall. That's right. They appear to be at the Star Court from Stranger Things Season 3, although they are there about 30 years too late to fight any Demogorgons. Yeah. 
Sam and Robbie and uh, Dimitri are all bonding over chicken tendos, and we learned that Robbie's middle name is Swayze. Because of Dirty Dancing and other things, and Dimitri rolls in, I don't know where he was, probably picking up more food, but then he realizes that today is Wednesday. The new issue of Dungeon Lord has come out, and he needs to run down to the comic book store to pick it up. Now, this is a DeKalb Mall in Atlanta, the location where this is shot. They are using it to the fullest extent here as he runs off to the comic book store. Meanwhile, back at TGI Fresno's... Or TGI Cobras. TGI Cobras. Yes, at TGI Cobras, Tori has walked over and is bringing Miguel the remainder of some sort of brownie sundae. She's trying to bring him out of his shell, but Miguel's like... I, I could use a girl's opinion on this, actually. You have to promise not to laugh. And he shows her an animated card that he has made for Sam. Well, I mean, like all Newgrounds animation, it's totally lame. Tori insists that it makes him look desperate. This is the moment at which Tori really loses sympathy for Miguel and Sam because she realizes that Sam is the rich girl that in her mind, insulted her at Mm. the beach club the other day. And so now she's like no longer going to at all try to help Miguel, even even though his adorable card involves Senior Octopus from the previous season. No, she tells him, Put it in the trash, empty the bin, and have your laptop cremated. It makes you look desperate. And girls aren't into desperate guys. I'll never know whether Tori is telling him this because she really believes that herself, because of her own machismo, or if she is just trying to sabotage that relationship because by now she's like, I like this guy and I don't like that girl. But she's telling him that what he should do is go all in with having fun. Fair. I mean, that's the thing. It's like Tori's advice, it makes you look desperate. PolitiFact equals true on that. It just seems to be one of those cases of the right advice coming from the wrong person. Actually, I disagree because I think that a guy telling a woman how she feels and acknowledging from the heart is not desperation. That's honesty and vulnerability. There's some sexism going on with Tori's speech to Miguel that dudes have to be a certain way around a woman. One of those is standoffish, right? And that's not correct. That's asking him to wall his feelings off rather than open them up. I agree. Well, I mean, that's the thing. There's two things going on here. There's Miguel not being honest with his feelings, but then there's also this added layer of him trying to make these little demonstrations of his feelings in the hopes that it will win Sam back. It when... might have. We'll never know. Fair. Cut to LaRusso Auto, where the Cobra Mobile pulls up with its eyes glowing. Johnny storms into the dealership looking for Robbie, uh, where he runs afoul of Anoush. Anoush gets the full Batman treatment from Johnny, the uh, whole... Where are they? And this is when Johnny learns about Robbie's Fonzie arrangement with the LaRusso. Anoush cleverly calls Johnny on the shit he literally pulled on top of the billboard last season when he drew a dick on Daniel's face. Anoush tells Johnny that he can't tell him where Robbie is, repeats all the reasons why Johnny hates Daniel, patronizes him, and then Johnny throws him up against the car and threatens him. Johnny has kidney punched Anoush and thus persuaded him to reveal where Robbie is. And he tells him that he's at the LaRusso's because he's living there now. So now Johnny doesn't even look at Anoush a second time as he wanders off mumbling, he's at the LaRusso's? Back at the comic book store, which I assume is in the star court somewhere. So can't wait to read that new issue, huh? Hawk bursts in. Nice hair. What is this, your Red Hulk phase? There's only so many places you're going if you're a Dimitri, and so Hawk, being former friends with Dimitri, knows exactly where to find that dude. Hawk throws Dimitri up against the rack in the comic book shop, demands that he take down his Yelp review, and Dimitri's like, You think I'm afraid of you? I know who you really are. 
Eli. Dimitri's there with the quips. He refers to Hawk's buddies as Bebop and Rocksteady from Ninja Turtles. He called us imbecilic buffoons. Yeah, and you thought he didn't like us. You know, much to Dimitri's credit, he's going to stick by his guns. If he takes that Yelp review down, he risks his entire four-star rating. So it looks like Dimitri's going to stand up to Hawk because now that he's realizing Hawk's going to fight him, he puts his fists up, but of course Hawk instantly drops him and sweeps the leg. And when the clerk at the store says, what's going on back there, Dimitri takes the opportunity and splits. And, and we can see that Chris, one of Hawk's lieutenants, is not thrilled at the prospect. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a prelude to a gang fight, basically. He's not feeling a group of five against one in the middle of the mall. Five against one ain't no fun. No, it isn't. And especially when No Shelter from the original Karate Kid is playing the same theme that played as Daniel was running away from the high school Halloween dance as all the Cobras chase a Miyagi-Do. At least to a big chase scene. Boys are... And are... the death of one sunglass hut. Pour one out for the sunglass hut, y'all. Exactly, as Dimitri careens into it, and then Hawk tells his seconds to fan out and look for Dimitri. It's a real case of a fugitive hunt for poor Dimitri. They eventually corner him in the food court. Dimitri has run up, seen the empty table where Robbie and Sam were sitting, and says, of course they left, because he can't imagine his new friends would have stayed there for him after all. Hawk says, you're dead meat, which is straight out of the original Karate Kid, when boom, Robbie and Sam burst on the scene, a standoff ensues, they are all looking at each other, it's going to be five against three, Hawk says, but then he refers to Dimitri as two and a half, and he and his little Cobra Kai minions pile on, except that Robbie and Sam are ready with the wheel. It looks like that thing we learned two or three episodes ago is now coming in handy and much quicker than I would have anticipated. Yes, the montage is there to remind us of all of their hard work soaking wet on top of those boards. Now they are applying it in the mall and Dimitri is standing by. It looks like he'll be useless, but no, he gets to be a launch pad for one of Sam's kicks. So even Dimitri gets to help out. Robbie is getting some good punches in on Eli after Eli beat the crap out of Robbie illegally during the last tournament. Sam is keeping Dimitri out of trouble and getting some hits in of her own. And then boom, Robbie kicks Eli in the face and brings him down. It's a really nice sequence. The camera work is great. There's a lot of flying overhead shots that give us a nice view of the action. Like you said, they're kind of intercutting to the training sequence earlier to drive the point home and show us the progression from learning the thing to doing the thing to applying the thing. You know, practice has paid off clearly on both the the performers uh, doing their nice choreographed stunt work and the crew that filmed this because we're really seeing everything the show can do all in this nice, tight little sequence. They're not just able to save their own skins. They're able to save Dimitri's chicken. Save the chicken, Tendo's save the world. Exactly. That is the common theme. Back at Reseda Flats, we see the Cobra Mobile pulling up, rumbling up to its spot, and Johnny is getting out of the car with a beverage in a bag, mumbling about the fact that the LaRussos are hosting Robbie when he is overheard by Carmen. Johnny? Oh, hey, Carmen. Johnny stumbles home both emotionally and literally wasted. Carmen happens to intercept him on the way to do her own laundry, and she asks if he's all right. Uh, he can barely walk here, and 
he's doing that thing that people who are impaired will often do where they try to pretend they're fine when they're clearly not fine. Carmen is walking Johnny to his house while back at the LaRusso manse, hashtag LaRusso manse, hashtag LaRusso manse, Robbie and Sam are excitedly recounting their experience when Daniel runs up telling them he's relieved that they're fine, asking them what happened, and telling them how proud he is because they stood up for Dimitri. The whole gang is bonding over the Dimitri gambit. Daniel rushes in. He admits that while he was worried, he is kind of super proud of them. His line is, Karate isn't only about self-defense, it's about protecting others. That's an implicit message that we got from Mr. Miyagi all those years ago, but one of the things that's interesting is that Daniel is now adding a kind of policing tone to it. We're not just going to protect ourselves, we're going to protect others. So it's going to be about thinking preemptively, which is a bit of a difference, I think. Um, And Daniel also, you know, tells Robbie he's proud he's part of this family, and Robbie looks very pleased and warmed by that. So we can see how much that means to Robbie and how much it seems to mean to Daniel. But Daniel looks outside and sees in the outdoor dining area of his manse that Dimitri is looking very dejected at the table because he didn't perform as well as Robbie and Sam. Yeah, Dimitri's sitting on the back patio feeling like a loser. As he says, I can't sand the floor. I can't wax on. I can barely wax off. Basically, at this moment, Dimitri is Luke Skywalker telling Yoda, You want the impossible. Daniel replies that anybody could be a hero, that even though Dimitri admits that he feels like a real Sam Tarly, Daniel says that Sam Tarly did kill a White Walker. Yeah, Daniel is actually down with GOT, and it is very strange to hear Ralph Macchio say those words. That's when he explains that anyone can be the hero, and Dimitri takes it in. Now that Dimitri realizes he might be working with a former fellow nerd, Daniel has him get up, and they're gonna review it nice and slow. Now that they have some common ground, they're going to work on the Miyagi-Do defense one more time. They trade GOT references, and it is good to know that all my favorite 80s characters are fully caught up on their HBO Premium series. And it is a nice opportunity for Gianni to do some capital A acting of his own here. And we can see as the camera pulls away, it's very sweet, and all the floats are behind them. So it's obvious they've repurposed the dojo now again. They've moved all the stuff out of the pool house, but that's a wonderful moment. Meanwhile, outside the Cobra Kai dojo, Moon is giving Hawk a piece of her mind about the fact that Hawk went after Dimitri. Yeah, Moon somehow got wind of this. She tells Hawk that- I'm not dating a bully. Yeah. Good for her. She explains she likes his hair, she likes his muscles, but she's not going to date a bully. Because for Moon, attacking your friend is a low blow. That's right. Dimitri is Hawk's friend. And Hawk- this is, this is such a moment. Hawk looks at Moon and says, This means forever. Meaning his tattoo. And Moon's like, And I didn't ask you to do that. Mm. So once again, a toxic dude thinks that the intensity of his feelings and commitment to feeling that way means that a woman should stay by his side as he beats his friends to a pulp. Milady. Um, so now Hawk, dejected, uh, goes... Shirtless. Hawk, shirtless and dejected, heads to the inner Cobra Kai dojo, which... We called something else a few episodes ago. I think I'm going to call it the special ops room now. I think the special ops room is very good. And as he beats the crap out of a punching bag, we can hear John Kreese in the background. He appears in the doorway like the cat who got the cream, asking him to get into a fight. Yeah, Kreese is doing what he does best, which is skulking in the shadows, kind of goads Hawk a little bit. This is a tone we haven't heard from Kreese in a while, certainly not since Karate Kid 3. He's very far from being the sad, lonely fellow we found him to be in the previous episode. This is more Kreese's true nature here, I think. Hawk's like, We lost. 
No, you didn't. Increases like, fight is only over when you say it is. Which again is another tenet of toxicity, this idea that only I get to control things. And, mm-hmm. and again, A plus acting from Jacob Bertrand where he looks vulnerable and then hardens up. Yeah. Under Crease's glare. Now we cut to Carmen's apartment at Reseda Flats. And she's like, Sounds like you and this Daniel guy have a lot of issues. You don't know the half of it. He's been a thorn in my side since high school. Then Carmen says, What did he do to you in high school? And this is where we see Johnny's character progression because Johnny reflects he's pensive again. Mm-hmm. But in the montage of his thoughts, we see the fighting and it looks more like Johnny's remembering when he beat Daniel to a pulp. And then just kind of brushes it off by saying, say he made my life miserable. This is where we see that Johnny has really grown in terms of his understanding of things because in the previous season when he told Miguel what Daniel did to him, that was all from his sort of hurt ego point of view, um, misremembering things. And now he sees clearly that he did things that were not called for and that he used the force of strength that he had when he was stronger than Daniel to pound him. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't tell Carmen that. He just says, you know, made my life miserable. He tells Carmen the emotional truth of his situation but doesn't skew the facts of what happened between him and Daniel, which is really important there, and it shows his growth. But, you know, Carmen is is one of the adults in this show. She has some interesting advice for Johnny, that's for sure. Yeah, she comes to him with empathy but also a firm belief that these things don't end well. Trust me. I've seen it with my own eyes. My ex-husband had many enemies. Just trying to strike back in the same way to end a rivalry is not going to work. You have to rise above it and be the better man or the bigger man. She advises Johnny that But the toll it's going to take on you, Johnny, is not worth it. And she's dated some bad dudes before. Hmm, I wonder who that could be. I know. <laughs> And she goes on to say that these things don't turn out well. You have to be the bigger man. Cut to the Burbank Airport or a place just out. The flight path by the Burbank Airport. Cut to somewhere in Burbank where Tori and Miguel are hanging out on a merry-go-round. Namely spinning too fast on that merry-go-round. If you're a teen or young adult, there's little else to do but go way too fast on a merry-go-round go go all in on that merry-go-round i've never seen a grown person go the right speed on a merry-go-round miguel tells tori as they fall off of it that when he says when you said you had a place to go i figured you need a fake id he's saying out loud what the audience might be thinking which is that tori is way more sophisticated and maybe a bad girl tori says that no we can go somewhere like that my girlfriend bartends this place over on coinga and he's like no 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 i kind of dig the abandoned playground vibes. He just learning there's more to her than meets the eye. He is unfortunately also still pining for Sam. They're out uh, on the playground laying on the ground waiting for a plane to fly over like that scene in Wayne's World. Okay, keep looking up. Okay. Ah! Miguel's in a pretty delicate place here because yeah he is still pining for sam for sure he's finding there's more to tori than what meets the eye unfortunately none of it is good there's more no that's (laughs) not true there's more to tori than what meets our classist goody two-shoes eyes there is some classism there but then again everything that tori says seems to be prelude to trouble of some sort that's true but at this point as he shares his feelings and says he doesn't know what to do, Tori suggests that he go all in. Burbank reminds Miguel of some ice cream shop that he went to with Sam there, and, and Tori is disappointed because Miguel had gone an hour without mentioning Sam, 
And then he says, you know. Sensei said to go all in and make a move and I'm still trying to figure out what that means. Then she holds Miguel's eye significantly. Oh, I think it means exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. And then as upbeat rock music plays. Make a move. Miguel kisses Tori. Cut to the LaRusso manse where Sam is at the outdoor fireplace roasting a marshmallow and Robbie walks up as she's looking thoughtfully into the fire. Robbie asks her what she's doing and she reveals that she's roasting marshmallows to combine with peanut butter cups and graham crackers. I call them Samors. Kind of a genius. Samor. As she and Robbie lean in to blow on one of the charred marshmallows, they almost kiss. Their eyes close, their faces go together, and then Robbie rolls away saying he's sorry. And he tells Sam that, like, he's been in a bad situation for a really long time, and... Finally something good's happening, and I can't mess it up. Not, not that you would be messing it up, but your, your dad, he... It's... I understand. Because we live in patriarchy, and a padrone can't share his daughter with his adoptive son. That aside, PolitiFact equals true. If he gets in a relationship with Sam and then screws that relationship up, then it's going to make not only his dojo situation, uh, but also his living situation quite messed up because he's living with the LaRussos now rent-free, I presume. So he's not entirely wrong. (laughs) Exactly. As things get real awkward there, we see that someone is breaking into the Miyagi dojo and the vandals are Hawk and his underlings. As they run in, Hawk sprays the sign and then we see Robbie coming into the garden the next morning and finding everything beat to hell. Yeah, they did a real number on this dojo. They had everything. They had spray paint. They had TP. They smashed the punching bags. They tipped over bonsai trees everywhere. Bonsai tree. And they even stole Mr. Miyagi's Medal of Honor. Yeah, as Ralph Macchio, well, as Dale... LaRusso looks at the the broken out frame that he gave Mr. Miyagi to hold that Medal of Honor. I think this is the heaviest moment in the series to this point. Daniel's face says it all, and the crestfallen Ralph Macchio is one of the saddest things you will ever see. And while they're sitting there, like, in despair, we hear Sam calling him out there, and so Daniel goes outside to the front with Robbie behind him, only to find that the Vandals have also scrawled Cobra Kai never dies on the side of the Ford convertible. They even spray painted the banana boat and this is giving Ralph a chance to do his own capital A acting in this episode. We flash back to the original scene from the Karate Kid where you know Miyagi gives the banana boat to Daniel for his birthday. Uh, Unfortunately it appears that YouTube has elected to uh, in the closed captioning when Mr. Miyagi is saying, Banzai, Daniel-san! Hey, Banzai! 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 It just says foreign language. Yeah. Um, note to someone at YouTube who might be listening, you guys <laughs> may want to go in and fix that. Please yeah. fix that. <laughs> Anyways, we cut to the Cobra Kai dojo where Hawk and Miguel are fighting in the middle of the mat with everyone kneeling alongside watching. When Daniel runs in and Johnny greets him with, What the hell do you think you're doing? Which is becoming a standard greeting for those two. Right. Well, Uh, Daniel didn't even kick off his shoes. Well, no. And Johnny says, Take your shoes off the mat. You're disrespecting my dojo. Daniel's like, You're seriously going to talk to me about disrespecting dojos after what you just did to mine? 
Daniel's like telling Johnny off as everyone's watching and telling him that he makes it so easy to remember who the bad guy is in all of this. And then tells him that he doesn't even know what being a sensei is because a sensei mentors and elevates and doesn't teach dis- destruction and disrespect. During all of this, the blocking on this shot is a very cool shot of like them standing on either side of the frame with Kreese kind of slightly soft focused in the background behind him. But you can clearly see that Kreese is watching this unfold with great attention. Johnny's like, I already said I don't know what you're talking about, Lenuso. And you don't know what you're talking about either. Because he genuinely doesn't. And Daniel's like, You don't earn the Medal of Honor by stealing it. And that's when Johnny begins to look like something might be going on and he knows it. And at this point, though, Daniel seizes the opportunity to tell the other kids, If you want to help yourselves before it's too late, the doors of Miyagi-Do wide open. And Johnny's like, You think you come in here and poach my students? And Daniel says, What are you going to do about it? You know, we've got a situation where Johnny doesn't really have all the facts. He's kind of having to fly by the seat of his pants in this situation. From Johnny's perspective, it just looks like Daniel's busting in and possibly just in a desperate attempt to poach his students, right? So when Daniel says, you know, I'm not going to strike first, which is a wonderful line, Johnny responds with, I'm going to be a bigger man. And Daniel says, yeah. We'll see about that. This is something that Carmen told him earlier, right? right? Well, Johnny knows that he doesn't have all the information. He does know something's up, but he also knows that, like, that's all he knows. And he's not going to beat the shit out of Daniel. The problem is that Johnny just failed a test that he didn't realize he was taking because Kreese was watching. And Kreese had been watching with interest and confidence in Johnny up to that point. But then the moment Johnny says, I'm going to be the bigger man, he loses Kreese. And Mm. at this point also... A bunch of students walk out. Several students walk out, including Chris, who Hawk had been using as one of his pilot fish. Yeah. I think Nate also walks out at that point. Yeah. A bunch of students that will become prominent in Miyagi-Do leave. And Johnny is left with a significantly diminished crew compliment. The doorbell jingles. And as he turns back, we see that Chris is not impressed with the situation and does not meet Johnny's gaze. Well, I mean, yeah, Johnny picked a really inopportune moment to be the bigger man here because he's now knowingly or unknowingly created this split where half of his students feel like Cobra Kai is too aggro and the other half feels it's not aggro enough. This is the moment the episode ends as the music swells. Definitely the most dramatic music we've heard, I think, aside from the season finale of, of season one. Mm-hmm. So look at this end snake catching fire. That was a whole lot. That was a whole lot. A whole lot of Cobra Kai season two, episode five, all in. They went all in on all in. They did go all in on all in. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, so this is how I feel. Like, I mean, obviously, in the in the last episode, they showed us what the what the main issue is this season that crease is doing more than he seems to be doing he has an ulterior motive all of these people are chess pieces daniel is trying to spread the good word johnny is trying to go on his own redemption journey but in this episode we see that they can only work with what they have and they're going to go all in and commit to the positions that they're in right so dimitri learns to go all in with Miyagi-Do. Sam and Robbie are going all in with their commitment to being a team, and with that comes all these feelings. Miguel is gonna go all in with the person who's being nice to him right now, who is Tori. 
Daniel's going to go all in with his idea that Miyagi-Do exists to protect others as well as do defense. Johnny is going to go all in with trying to be better, but for Johnny, that means not striking and not acting. So Johnny is, is a little screwed right now because he's become subject to forces beyond his control. In order to learn, he has to sit back and see what's going on. Yeah, it's a real catch-22, a real damned if you do, damned if you don't situation for Johnny. You bring up a lot of great points there. I mean, the things I want to tag on to is this idea of, of Daniel going all in. And what this means is, you know, this is Daniel's conflict for this season is how do you oppose this kind of authoritarian voice of Cobra Kai with your what is the opposite of that? What does that mean? And I think Daniel's taking it to mean, oh, I'm going to take this idea of karate being used for defense and kind of extend that defense bubble around others. And that's the way that Miyagi-Do is going to distinguish itself. That's the way it's going to oppose uh, Cobra Kai. And is that the correct solution? Well, we have another five episodes to see how that pans out for him. Yeah, there there is a ton to unpack with this episode because it is, you know, the producers have talked about how they write each season as kind of a movie, right? Mm-hmm. So episode five would be the midpoint of the movie. So now this turning point where we now got the split in Cobra Kai, we've got half the characters going in a new direction. What's that going to look like? There's a lot of moving pieces on the board right now, and we're not entirely sure where they're going to wind up until next episode, at the very least. I mean, it's interesting because we see almost all of Cobra Kai is about the ways in which, to invoke a buzzword, toxic masculinity creates these near-impossible situations and the Mm -hmm. strategies that you have to use to power through when the deck is stacked against you and you're expected to behave in a certain way, whether you're a guy or a girl or someone else. Because... We see Hawk crumbling when he's Eli, crumbling under these expectations and then and then escaping into the idea of being badass to the point of abuse. We see Dimitri so worried about failing that he can't even start. We see Daniel sort of taking on a high ground that doesn't really exist with the idea that he's going to be the guy to protect people. Mm. Um, and we see Kreese's expectations and then judgment of Johnny when Johnny doesn't perform as the big guy. And it's interesting to think about how this doubling down on these tropes of what it is to be a man. I mean, the only person who's not really haunted by that right at this moment is Sam. But like even Tori is expecting that Miguel needs to be a certain way and ditch Mm -hmm. that girl. Like there's no place for male vulnerability. The only person who's really embodying that right now is sort of Miguel when he's briefly on screen. But Johnny, right? Because he's like, I don't I don't know. And I'm not going to strike out when I don't know. So that's really interesting to see, and and to a certain extent, Robbie too, because Robbie doesn't want to jeopardize the situation. But it's interesting to see how expectations of being a guy lead these people to be emotionally honest or dishonest. One other thing that was on my mind, I think this is the moment where the showrunners show their hand. Because they have said in the promotional lead up to this season that this show is about dueling philosophies. Right, whether you act or whether you don't act, whether you show mercy or not, et cetera, et cetera. You could say that Cobra Kai is the uh, the side of things that doesn't want people to be coddled, and that you know people are too spoiled in our society. Whereas Miyagi Do is all about 
almost too nice. But I think in this moment, we see that the showrunners do have a real sense of fair is fair, and that goes beyond relativism. There's mm. not a both sides to this. There are actual things that people do that are wrong and that people who align themselves either way could do bad things, but these philosophies don't just exist. They can be abused and they can be used to hurt people. I think that that comes out in this because we see the moment where Hawk doesn't just become a badass fighter. He makes a choice to destroy someone's dojo. Mm -hmm. And I think we also see the seeds of that with Daniel thinking he knows best. Like at the moment we get that because he's right. You shouldn't trash a dojo and you shouldn't behave this way. But we see both of them doubling down on these philosophies as justification. And I think that that is, that is why the show continues to be good, uh, because it's not really about both sides being okay. It's about what do people do with the side that they're on that counts. I think that's a great way to look at it, because this is definitely where the rubber meets the road and why Cobra Kai is more than just a this reboot of a beloved 80s property, they're attacking something that's very, that cuts close to the bone for a lot of people uh, in the society right now, which is the idea, you know, whatever buzzwords you want to use to put on it, there is a, a right way and a wrong way to be a human being, right? It's like, you don't just go up and kick someone in the face because they upset you. But at the same time, you can't just allow someone to come up and kick you in the face because they're upset, right? Right. And... I don't want to predict where the show is going. Like, I don't want to backseat drive here. But yeah, I think that they're definitely putting forward these questions for us to think about. And I think there eventually will be like a detente. There will be some sort of coming together where, you know, we find out how these philosophies can coexist and intermingle and we're just not there yet, and that's what's causing a lot of the friction and the frustration, both for the characters and us as viewers, because we just, you know, I just can't wait for them to get there, right? We want them to get in the speed wagon and go there. Yeah. And I mean, part of the deal is that these people have been led to think that they're quite different from one another, when in reality, protagonists of this show aren't as different from one another as the primary hidden antagonist, John Kreese, I believe, would have them be. Right. Um, and I, at this point, am speculating about John Kreese being an antagonist because of the way he looked at Johnny and also because of what he said at the end of the previous episode, right? You fool your opponent and then you strike. So there's something going on. Part of the journey of dealing with that, I think, is going to be these people learning that they, though they're different, they're also the same. Different but same. Different but same. Awesome. Well, I think that has been a very productive discussion about a very great episode. That's it for All In. Once again, a friendly reminder to follow us on Twitter, check out our YouTube page, and subscribe if you want to make a playlist. You can put like all the Cobra Kai episodes and then put like all of our recaps in between them. That would be fun. But however you want to consume our show, we are out there on your podcatcher of choice. And we will be back next time with Cobra Kai season two, episode six. Take a right. Take a right. Until then, I've been Colin Canada. I'm Jenny Carlson. And we'll see you around the Miyagi-verse. See you around that Miyagi-verse. This podcast has been produced and hosted by Colin Canaday and Jenny Carlson. Our music is by Chepo. You can find us at Karate Kid Pod on Twitter. And wherever you download podcasts.